0: Praise the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me, please, and open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 24. And I'll just ask you to excuse me right now, because I woke up with something stuck in my throat. Amen, amen. Acts, chapter 2, verse 22. When you got it, say So. And it says, Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he could be held by it. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth of the resurrection, for the reality of the resurrection. We pray in these next few moments that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church and to us, your people, Lord. We ask you that you would make our minds and our hearts attentive to you, remove distractions And we stand against every lie, every deception, and every ploy of the enemy, Lord God, to hinder us from receiving what you're saying to us today. We pray that you be glorified in our time together. And we ask you this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you did not get an outline, I think there may be some outlines left. If you would, just raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. Just keep your hand up. We want you to be able to follow along with us as we go through the text of scripture. Keep your hand up. The ushers will bring you an outline if you need one. We want you to be able to follow along in the introduction. We also want you to be able to take notes, and that way you can actually go home, hopefully, and think about what it is that we have heard here this morning. And so uh, if you look at your outline there, you have it in the introduction. We are living in a moment in which cancel culture has become more prevalent than ever. Are you here? Hmm. Hmm. It's becoming, it has become normalized as appropriate retribution against anyone who does not go along to get along. How many of you know that Jesus didn't go along to get along? See, what, what, what happens is, although this is something that is more prevalent and accepted in our days, this is not a new phenomenon. The reality is, is that they tried to cancel Jesus. Are you here? That's what the crucifixion was about. They were trying to cancel Jesus. All of hell rose against him. The religious elites called for his cancellation. That's what happened when they were crying out, crucify him. You could change that word. You could easily say, cancel him, cancel him, cancel him. That's what they wanted because when he came in, we talked about this on Palm Sunday, right? When he came into Jerusalem, they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were saying the king has arrived. That's what they were saying. They were saying the one who is king is here now. He is arrived and he is about to enter into his kingly throne and he's going to call in legions of angels and he's going to overturn the Roman Empire. And when Jesus didn't do that, now they changed their tune to crucify him. The truth is this, is that the governing authorities were too weak to free him from the will of those calling for his cancellation. When Pilate was there with Jesus and he was examining him and he was asking him questions. He 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 couldn't find any reason to crucify him. He couldn't find a, he couldn't find something that he had done wrong. He could have simply said, no, we're not gonna crucify him. We have brought him to trial and he is innocent because he was, but they were too weak because if they they knew that if they didn't cancel him, then guess what would happen? Then all of a sudden, Pilate would lose his authority. He would lose his role. And so what I want to talk about today is a message, and I'm pretty sure you already know the title because it's all over the place. It is uncanceled. But here's why I want to preach that message to you, because you can't cancel the king who created you. I want you to think about that today. You cannot cancel the king who created you, no matter how hard you try. No matter what effort you make, you cannot cancel the king who created you. He's the one. Listen, you can ignore him. You can act like you don't hear him. You can pretend like he's not calling. You can do all those things, but you can't cancel him because he is the creator. The first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus, his miraculous life could not be canceled. Jesus' miraculous life could not be canceled. Look with me, if you would, at verse verse 22. Men of Israel... Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. You hear those words that, that, that are communicated here? The Apostle Peter, just to give us a little bit of context of where we are in this narrative. The, the, the disciples had been in the upper room praying and seeking the Lord for 10 days. They were praying and waiting on this promise. And in the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down. Tongues of fire sit upon all of those in the upper room. A wind blows through Jerusalem. They begin to speak in in languages that they did not know. And And they are speaking praises and glorification to God. And the people who are around Jerusalem, because in this moment, remember, this is the Passover time. And so the people had come from all these different places, speaking different dialects. And what they were amazed at, they're like, wait a second, we hear these people speaking in our dialect the praises of God. They were confused, and some of them were like, "Well, yeah, I mean, th- this is amazing." Others were like, "Oh, they're just drunk." <laughs> I don't even know how you how you compute that. Like, I, I, listen, I'm not a drinker, but for those of you that may have drunk, uh, did you ever get drunk and start speaking another language? Some of y'all are like, "Yeah, uh-huh, okay." <laughs> I guess they knew about that, right? Like, like they start, you, you "Well, you start slurring, you sound like you're talking another language, right?" <laughs> And so ultimately, they, they, but, but they heard these people clearly in their own languages speaking the praises of God, and yet they dare say, oh, they're just drunk. And then Peter, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, he goes out, he begins to preach the first gospel message that we have recorded in the book of Acts. And as he preaches this message, he has just finished communicating what has occurred in this upper room. He says that there's a promise. You can write this down if you're taking notes. A promise that the prophet Joel spoke about that God would pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Old men would, would dream dreams. Young men would see visions. And God would pour his spirit out. He would do that. And he was saying, "These. this is what, what you're seeing here is this promise that Joel made. This was the promise that God has said that he was going to do. And this is the promise really that Jesus communicated and so what do we have Peter's words Peter communicates to them and he tells them the first indictment that he has is on the men of Israel now here's the thing there's a lot of people and today is the the day that we as the church celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today's a day that we get together in a special way and let me just say this every day you should be as excited about the fact that Jesus is alive are you here Not just on Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Not just on one Sunday of the year. But every day. I want you to know every day of the year Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's not like he just came alive today. I know, I know that we make a big deal. You know, We have sunrise services. We have all this stuff that we want to really point people and show them about the resurrection of Jesus. But you have to understand that he is risen and living at all times. And he wants to make himself known to men every day of every week, every moment of every day, as a matter of fact. He wants men to know who he is. And that he is alive. And so what we have is that in this, as we look at the resurrection, there are many who would like to debate eyewitness accounts. And some of you may be in here today, or some of you may be online, and, you, and you, you're not sure about the resurrection. You're, you're, you're not sure about the facts surrounding the resurrection. And I won't do like I've done in years past. You can go back and look up some other Resurrection Sunday messages. I'm not going to go through every single fact that proves the resurrection of Jesus. I just want you to know this. Is that in the area of literature, the book of Acts, the Gospels of Math, Mark, Luke, and John, those would have all been considered historical documents. The way that we are today and we reject those things. Oh no, no, that's just in the Bible. No, no. no. These were historical documents that were there and that were that were useful to do what? To Talk about the things that were seen by certain people. They were firsthand accounts. The gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are written by the same man who is a physician, but he is also a researcher, and he's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. So Luke did not see these things firsthand. But what Luke did was he researched, he interviewed people, and he learned about what it was that happened. And so he went through, and he made sure that he brought forth the facts about the resurrection of Jesus. And so Acts, the book of uh, the book of Luke, these two books written together by the same guy. But I want you to know that, so that way whenever somebody comes and tells you, oh, but there's no, there's no historical documentation to prove the resurrection of Jesus. No, they're just denying the historical documentation. It's easy to do that. You can deny that. You still can not cancel Jesus you can say like a lot of people who don't believe in God that's not enough you can you can say whatever you want to say that doesn't change the facts there were some eyewitnesses who were there and what I love about this portion of scripture is that what Peter begins to do look what he says again men of Israel he's talking to the people that are standing present there and then what does he say look look at that last part of that verse he says as you yourselves also know Talk about eyewitness accounts. You tried to deny Jesus. You tried to say whatever it was you wanted to say about Jesus. You you literally brought him to the place of crucifixion, yet you cannot deny the resurrection. You can't deny these things. And so men of Israel, it's clear, this is what his indictment is. This is what Peter is saying to them in this little short passage. The God you claim to serve, because remember, these are people who say they love the God of Israel. He's saying to them, "The God you claim to serve testified on His own behalf through what? Through miracles, signs, and wonders that Jesus was God the Son. He was the Messiah. This is what Peter's telling them. And you know what? You know, you know what is is ironic about this whole scenario with Jesus. You know that none of the religious elites or anybody like that ever denied one of the miracles Jesus did. You know that." Never once did they say, that wasn't a real miracle. Go back and read the Gospels, you'll see. They never once denied the, the, the miraculous that was occurring. What they did was they're like, where do you get the authority for this? <laughs> and, 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 and what power are you doing these things? They didn't deny the miracles. That's why why Peter boldly said, man, you guys saw the miracles that were done. You saw the signs that were done. You saw the things. You cannot deny what you have seen because what? The fact is this, is that Jesus' miraculous life could not be canceled. Here's the thing. You may try to explain the miracles. Had a great conversation, Minister Jonathan, the other day. We were talking about the supernatural and talking about miracles. And as we were discussing that, we were talking about some of the miracles that we see in the Bible and how scientifically those things could actually happen. And that that was a beautiful conversation a little bit above my head. Hallelujah. I love my, my doctor here. He helps me. He helps me stay humble. Hallelujah. But we can try to explain the miracles. We can even try to explain the miracles away, right? We we, we can try to deny the miracles, but we cannot cancel Jesus. They happened. He is risen. No, no, he is risen. risen Amen. Anytime you hear it today, you got to say it. Next week, you can get away with an amen. But if if you hear he is risen, you got to respond. Amen. There you go. Glory to God. He is risen. risen There we go. (laughs) he is alive that's the truth the truth is that Jesus rose again and he being the resurrected one guess what he is still doing he is still resurrecting lives see some of you in this place you know about that because you were dead and you're alive today as sister Marisol was talking I thought about it I said y'all came to church to get told you stink hallelujah not just once, but twice. The first time you're like, you stink, you not. The second time, you, you, you more than stink. Some of y'all are like, do I stink? You 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 but you know what? That only offends people who don't realize how much they really stunk. Hello. See, because when you understand how bad off you were, guess what? You don't get offended at that stuff. You're like, man, I was lost. I really did stink. I really was ungodly. See, the, the, the beauty of the resurrection that Jesus is going to continue to do those things. Just as the men of Israel could not deny the proof of Jesus' miraculous life, our faith, hear me now. This is for you that are believers in this place, you that are believers watching online. Our faith should stand firmer in Jesus because if they could have denied what Jesus was saying, you know what they would have done? They would have stoned him. They would have taken him in that moment and said, Blasphemy. They would have said you were lying, but that's not what they did. We're going to see how they responded. But the fact is, if they could have done that, they would have canceled the message of Christ. They could not cancel the message of Jesus Christ. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after, after me is this. Say, Jesus' purpose could not be canceled by the cross. Jesus' purpose could not be canceled by the cross. Now, it may come as a surprise to some. But the cross was not a hiccup in God's plan. Are you here? The cross wasn't like something, oops, that, you know, we, I didn't mean for that to happen. No, no, I want you to read. Look at verse 23. Look what it says here. It said, him, speaking of Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. Look at those words. By the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. One of the clearest scriptures that speaks about predestination of anything. You want to know what it's talking about? It's talking about the death that Jesus died. Not just like a maybe could have happened, like you kind of walked into this. No, no, no. By the predetermined plan, by the predetermined purpose of God, Jesus died. And guess what? Not, it's not just that, but you were you were part of it. You, you had your hand in what happened to Jesus It was God's plan. The cross was God's plan, as was the resurrection. The cross was God's plan to ensure that salvation could come to mankind. The cross had to happen. Jesus had to die. He had to suffer in shame and glory. He had to suffer the death that you and I deserved. Understand this. When these men of Israel were hearing the message that Peter was was communicating to them, they were coming to a realization that this had to happen. That what occurred had to occur in order for something else to happen. And they weren't even sure what it was that was supposed to happen. But again, I want you to see that this was not something that was some mistake. The cross could not cancel Jesus. I was watching the, the Superbook with Josiah. For those of you that are parents of little kids, you should definitely check out Superbook. It's a pretty cool way to, to hear the scriptures with your kids, for them to hear and learn, and it's, you know, nicely done, animated and stuff like that. But we were, we were laying down before we went to bed, and we were watching one of the episodes that had to do with the, with the, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in, and in the particular episode, they, they show something that you don't see in the scriptures, right? They take some, some creative license. And what they do is they show Satan, who is like, yeah, we're going to, he didn't say cancel, but we're going we're gonna to get rid of you. We're going to stop you. See, Satan was there and he thought, I don't know why he thought that, but he thought, if I can just crucify him, if I can get these religious people to just hate him, then I can stop the plan of God. I mean, didn't he try that in heaven before? But not only did Satan believe that, but the religious leaders believed that. You know why? Because they, they were envious of Jesus. When Jesus would preach, multitudes would show up. When Jesus would preach and teach, people were healed and delivered. When Jesus was ministering, people couldn't shut up about him. <laughs> These religious leaders were like, man, where's our crowds? <laughs> read it. You Just go read it for yourself. The envy, the jealousy, the bitterness was rising up inside of them. And they decide, you know, what we're going to do? We're going to cancel this Jesus. We're going to crucify this Jesus. They thought they could thwart the purpose and the plan of God. How how do they? Well, how are we going to do this crucifixion? Why 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 crucifixion? Well, because what we can do then is we can destroy his credibility. Is he a criminal, or is he a miracle worker? Which one is he? If if we can get him up on a cross. If we can get him up on a cross, if we can lift him up before everybody in Jerusalem to see, if we can lift him up and make him look like a bandit, if we can do that, we can cancel his ministry, his effectiveness, because we can point to him and say, nobody gets crucified like that unless they are guilty. He's a blasphemer. That's the reason why he died that gruesome death. And they thought, that's what we got to do. We're going to get him up on that cross. It didn't work out, did it? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And you know why we're sitting here today? Because he was lifted up. And he wasn't talking about praise. Understand this, please. Because when we think about lifting up the name of Jesus, we're like, oh, we're going to lift him up. We're going to lift up. No, no, no. He wasn't talking about lifting up high praise. He was talking about being lifted up in the form of crucifixion. If I be lifted up, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. They couldn't cancel him with the the crucifixion, even though they tried to discredit him, tried to make him look like a criminal, tried to make him look like a blasphemer, tried to make it seem like, man, all the messages, all the miracles, all that stuff, none of that matters. It didn't work. Let me give you some encouragement because I think you all need to remember this. Each of us is called and commanded to carry our own cross sometimes, sometimes that cross, sometimes that life that we're called to live, it also includes suffering and hardship and difficulty. And can I tell you something? You need to be encouraged because the same way that the purpose of Christ could not be canceled because of the cross, the same way that God's purpose for your life won't be canceled. If you submit your heart to him, if you surrender to him, if you yield to him and his will, your purpose is going to be fulfilled in him. Not your will, his will. Not what you want. Somebody said here today that the, the I think it was Roley, he said, sometimes we think God failed us because we're reasoning the wrong way. Oh, he didn't answer that prayer the way we wanted, so God failed. Did he fail? He didn't fail. He hasn't failed anyone yet, and he's not going to fail. He's not in the business of failing. He just doesn't always give you the yes the way you want it. But he doesn't fail. We can't. We have to realize the power of the resurrection. We have to be encouraged by this. I heard a story of, of of a woman who was who was who was sick, and she was dying. The pastor was was there visiting her. It was a couple of weeks ago, and as she was on her deathbed, she said these words. She said, "May the greatest good come out of my death." She didn't say, "Lord, heal me." She didn't say, God, walk in this room, show people your resurrection power by raising me up out of this sick bed. That would have been great, and God can do that. But because she knew who held her life in his hand, she could say with confidence, Lord, let the greatest good come out of my suffering. See, because here's the thing. Suffering doesn't take away the plan and purpose of God. But for some reason, because we're Americans and we want to be comfortable, we reason, well, if I'm going through this, I must have done something wrong. What about if you didn't do anything wrong? What did Jesus do wrong? See, we should rejoice when we suffer for righteousness' sake. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say the resurrection has real canceling power. The resurrection has real canceling power. While Jesus could not be canceled by death, he canceled death. That's why we're excited. That's why we're motivated. That's why we're followers of Jesus, because he canceled death. Look at this last verse here, verse 24. He said, "...whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible." That he should be held by it. You hear those words? It was not a possibility that he could be held by death. Again, if we lift him up on the cross, we can discredit him. Nope, that's not gonna happen. You know why? Because he's gonna rise again, and everything you try to say about him is gonna look, you're gonna look like liars. You're gonna look untrue. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus rises from the dead. We know that death entered the world as a result of what? As a result of sin. Because way, way back in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Eve decided that she was going to listen to the serpent, who is the devil. She was going to partake of that fruit. And then she was going to go to her husband and say, honey, this is so good. And as any good man, oh, yeah, baby. Let's enjoy this good together. The scripture says, when Adam ate of the fruit, their eyes were opened. Now they knew they were naked. Now they were smelling, do I stink? All of a sudden, there was something that happened in that moment. Their eyes were open to what was good and what was evil. They knew this difference, and sin entered the world. And what did God tell them? God told them that the moment that you eat of this, you will surely die. Death entered the world as a result of sin. But what did Jesus do? Jesus canceled death. How is it that death how is it that we see death play out? Well, the one way that we all know that we see death play out is in the physical sense, right? We all know that the more air we breathe, the closer we're getting to our last breath, right? right. <laughs> the more the more air you you consume, the more breaths you take, the closer you're getting to the last one. I mean, it's just fact. You can seek for the 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 fountain of youth when you find it, let us know, please. But until you find it, on our way to the look and looking for it, guess what? We're going to die. Physical death is something that we're all going to experience. And, and, and here's the thing. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope in that place of physical death. There is only despair. Sean, he quoted the verse in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 where it says that we are dead In our trespasses and sins. That's not talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And then the scripture talks about another death. Not just the physical death, but it talks about something called the second death. That is the eternal death. That is the eternal separation from God. Or should I say, the the eternal separation from God's goodness, from God's love, from God's grace. It is that eternal separation from all that is good in him. The only thing you experience is his wrath. But what did I just say about death and what did Jesus do? He destroyed death. I want you to look at this. I'm gonna give you a couple of definitions here really quickly. It says that 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 Jesus that death could not hold him. Look at look at verse 24. Having loosed the pains of death. That word loose, what does that word loosed mean? I just want to read some definitions to you because I hope that you hear in these words what freedom sounds like. It means to be to do away with, it means to remove or to eliminate, it means to to deprive of authority. It means to declare unlawful. It means to lose something. It means to break it up. It means to demolish or destroy. It means to dissolve something. It means to overthrow or to do away with. I just want to add one more word. It means to cancel. That's what Jesus does because he rises again. Not because he promised he would rise again, but because he actually rose again. It's, it's, it's not because his disciples felt some kind of way. And let me just give you another proof, just one more proof, because I don't want to go into all kinds of different proofs. There's plenty. I want you to know. You study it out. There are plenty of proofs for the resurrection of Jesus. But one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection of Jesus is the fact that anybody kept saying he rose. Hello. <laughs> especially especially after James was beheaded. Like It would have been cool up until that point. Hey, guys, you know what? Jesus said he was going to rise again. We're going to lie. We're going we're to all get together, and we're going to move that stone, and we're going to take his body, and then we're going to make banners and say Jesus is alive. And we're going to teach everybody this mantra. He is risen. He is risen Amen. Y'all got it. Close, close, close. All right. And then they go, and they start spreading this lie. And everybody's like, oh, man, he rose. We, we saw him. He ascended to heaven. He rose. Okay. But then they take James. They're like, all right, James, you know what? We're cutting your head off. At that moment, someone's going to like, time out. Listen, this this is cool. This is a cool joke. (laughs) But that is not what happened. They continued to be willing to die because what? They saw him rise. Because he really did rise. Because he really did rise from the dead. He really did destroy the power of death. Listen, your physical death, I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that if you put your faith in Jesus, you're not going to die physically. I cannot promise you that. But what I can tell you is those other ailments that are there because of physical death, you know, like that emotional death like that, that, that depression that some of you struggle with, that anxiety that some of you struggle with, those fears, that some, all of those are the product of death entering into this world in a physical sense. What I can tell you is that because of the resurrection of Jesus, God can destroy those things in your life. What I can tell you is that where there is despair, he can put hope. What I can tell you is where there is fear, he can put faith. He can fill you with love. Where there is hate, where there's unforgiveness, where there's bitterness, he can restore your heart and make you right before God. He can do that because he did what? He canceled death, he removed his authority. See, here's what I love. What I love is that this spiritual death, our death and our trespasses and our sins, what he is able to do is he is able to liberate us from the power of sin. What does sin do? Sin separates us from God. So every lie you tell, every lust that you walk in, every, listen, every act of sexual immorality that you participate in, everything that you do, listen, all of those things, guess what? Jesus died for them. He didn't just die for them. He rose so you could have victory over them. He rose to give you the grace to say, Lord, I don't want to live the way that I am living. I don't want to live in the lifestyle I'm living. I don't want to live separated from you anymore. I don't want to be dead in my trespasses and sins. See, see most of some of us in this place have said, yes, God, we were dead. We recognize how much we stunk. It's just a fact. We recognize that we were dead, separated from God. But then his mercy intervened. He came to us. He drew us out of the darkness. He called us. And he could be calling you right now. Right now as you're sitting in your seat or you're listening online, you could be feeling something. You may feel a little uncomfortable. Guess what? That's not just, oh, I just feel about, no, 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 that's God. That's God knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, I'm making you feel something inside. There's something going on. Don't ignore what is happening. Don't let your neighbor intervene with what's going on. Don't let the people you're going to go back to. Listen, what's going on? I want to do something in your heart. Because what does he want to do? He wants to set captives free. He wants to bring us into a relationship. See, the beauty of the cross is that Jesus absorbed our penalty. Jesus absorbed our sin. Jesus took our wrath. He took all of it upon himself so he could offer us new life. You know, I asked a question on Facebook. I did a post on Good Friday, and the question was, what was your favorite or what is the word that moved you the most on the cross? The word that Jesus said. Jesus says seven last words on the cross. And the, and the word that moves me the most on the cross is when Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's because in that moment what you are seeing is Jesus is feeling the judicial weight of the sins of humanity. And for the first moment in all of his time on this earth, he is experiencing what sin does, and that is a separation from the God of heaven. And what I want you to know is that Jesus was what? He was forsaken so you and I could be loved. He was forsaken so you and I could know he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he went through for us. He experienced that death. He experienced the, 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 the turmoil of soul that none of us would be able to bear. He does that for us because of the magnitude of his love. But can I tell you something? If Jesus just died, it doesn't matter. The scripture says he rose for our justification. If he doesn't rise, he can't give new life. If he doesn't rise, he has no power over death. If he doesn't rise, he cannot promise you that you will not experience the second death. He can't promise you that. But because he rose, he can promise and he's a faithful promiser. See, Jesus' triumph over death is our triumph in life. Hear that. Jesus' triumph over death is our triumph in this life. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul. They're our favorite scripture. You heard them earlier today, but hear these words in Romans chapter eight, verse eleven. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. you hear those words. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you he will give life to your mortal bodies you know what that means victory is yours you got to put your faith in Christ that means that he will give you strength to overcome whatever sin you're facing whatever stronghold you're facing whatever issues you're dealing with he will give you the ability to overcome them the question is this will you trust him the question is this will you trust him here's my closing question for you Death couldn't hold Jesus down. What's holding you? Death could not hold Jesus down. The enemy that none of us is able to overcome by ourselves, the enemy that none of us is able to deal with, the enemy that none of us can has an answer for could not hold Jesus down. So what that means is whatever it is that is holding you, today's the day. If you humble yourself, he'll set you free. Today's the day if you'll surrender your heart. He will set you free. He will liberate you from wherever you are. He will give you new life. He will give, listen, resurrection is about what? It's about new life. That's what it is. See, what we need is we need new life. We need to be born again is what the scripture says. And so I don't know what it is that's holding you. Again, maybe it's bitterness is holding you. Maybe you've been wronged, maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've been deceived, maybe you've been tricked, maybe you've been abused and that is holding on to you. And today Jesus says, I want to set you free. Maybe it is sin that is in your life that, you're, that you enjoy that sin, you're okay in that sin. And Jesus says today, I paid for that sin, turn from that sin, give me your life. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what is holding on to you, but what I want you to know that there is a Savior who paid a price and rose again, and he says, come home. He says, come home. The same way that he said that when the prodigal son came home, he was lost. The scripture said he was dead, and the father was there with arms wide open. He ran to the son. The same thing is true this morning. And so if you're in this place and you you know that you need, listen, that thing is going on. You feel something going on inside of you. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore what's going on. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads for a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should have been praying like 10 minutes ago. But here's the thing. There are people in this place, and I'll invite the prayer team to come forward, please, and the leaders who are available to come forward as well. We're here to pray for you. But the first thing that I want to do, I want to pray for people who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ before. So please, as your heads are bowed, you're listening, please pay attention to what I'm saying. The first thing I'm asking is if you are in this place and you have never put your faith in Christ, if you're in this place and you have never tri- you have never cried out to God and say, God, save me. Now, hear me when I say this. It doesn't matter if you have been in church all of your life. That doesn't mean that you have ever cried out to God. That doesn't mean that you have ever cried out to the Lord. That doesn't mean that you have ever cried out to the King and said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. You could have been raised in church. What I want you to know is this, is that does not matter. Please hear his voice, not mine. Hear him calling you today. If you're in this place, listen now, if you're in this place and you say, Lord, today I realize that I am far from you and I want a relationship with you. I want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus. Listen, I'm going to ask you to do something. If that's you in this place, just stand up and make your way to the front. We want to pray for you. Listen, don't, don't, don't worry about anybody else in this place. If that's you in this place, just get up and come forward, please. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Be bold in this moment. Be bold in this moment. Listen, you know if God has been working on your heart, don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment pass you by. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, I want to give you a moment before, we, before I call anybody else to this altar. If you're in this place, you have not put your faith in Christ before, and you say, Lord, today I want to trust you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to give me new life. I don't want to live the way that I've lived. I want to live for your glory. Come on, if that's you, just come forward. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, so the second person that we want to pray for in this room, if you are in this place, I want you to know this altar is open for you. If you you feel at some moment that you need to come forward, you should come forward. Don't let this moment pass you by. But if you're in this place, you put your faith in Jesus before, but today you know that you need to trust him. Today, listen, but you're far from him. You haven't been walking with him the way that you should. You haven't been serving him the way that you should. You've heard this resurrection message, and something is going on in your heart as well. And you say, God, I want to live for your glory. God, I want to live for your honor. Lord, I want a relationship to be restored with you. I want a relationship back with you the way that it's supposed to be. If that's you in this place, I'm going to invite you to come forward so we can pray for you in this place. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. Hallelujah. Come on, let the Spirit of God work on your heart. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore his call. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet, please. Stand to your feet. Listen, I need you to pray because I believe there are more people in here that are not responding to the Lord that need to respond. If you're online and you need to respond to the Lord, then I'm going to ask you to respond to the Lord. Let us know that you want prayer. Let us know that you need prayer. Let us know that we can pray for you in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, the altar's open. For anyone who wants to come forward, we want to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with him, he wants wants a relationship with you. He wants to break strongholds today. He wants to heal broken relationships today. He wants to restore families today. He wants to revive hearts today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, God, hallelujah, God, hallelujah, King, hallelujah, great I am. Come on, come on in this place, worship His name. Come on in this place, lift up praise. Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice. Come on, worship Him.